Can you guys believe it's begun already? You know what I mean? Like late at, late at night, phone calls. Um, seems like the people are getting meaner, nastier, like I owe them something. And it's not just phone calls. I mean, it's like TVs, newspaper ads, magazines. It's even cropping up on my Facebook page. I mean, we're, we're talking about election season, right? <laughs> it's, it's here, believe it or not. Every four years we get the blessing of a new campaign season. And it's here with, with authority for sure. The, uh, the last couple of weeks I've been working on a billboard outside of town. Uh, my wife and I own a sign company here. And there's that great big concrete billboard about 15 miles east of town I've been painting on. And when we bid this job, I estimated it'd take me about 14 days to do. And I'm like 10 days into it, right? So I've been, basically for two weeks, I've been out in no cell phone land <laughs> working on this, on this billboard. And I've kind of developed this routine. Um, I get to work in the morning and answer a few emails and stuff. And then kind of while I'm waiting for it to warm up enough for me to paint on this thing, I've been downloading a whole bunch of podcasts on my phone because um, it's way, like I said, it's out past cell service land and it's up on a little hill so I can't like drive my truck up there and turn the radio on and roll the windows down or anything. I'm just kind of out there on an island. And so I, every morning I download a handful of podcasts before I go out there. One of my favorites, believe it or not, is an archery podcast. <laughs> if you've been here, you know my, my love affair with archery. Um, but there's this one particular podcast I really like, and I've just listened to it live. I've never like, actually downloaded it to my phone. And in order to do that, I had to download this app, this app called Podbean. You can, maybe you guys are up on it. I'm, I'm not as tech-savvy as a lot of you, but I had to download this Podbean app so that I could download these podcasts. And when I did it, you kind of log in and fill out your interest and checks these boxes, and then this homepage pops up. And it has all these podcasts that it recommends for you. And I guess I didn't realize that this Podbean was such a, such a popular thing. There was all kinds of cool stuff on there, right? Uh, right away, like one of the very first ones that popped up was Francis Chan. And I'm like, oh, sweet. Um, and so I downloaded, I downloaded some archery ones. I've been listening to Francis Chan. I've been listening to ESPN Sporting Life. I mean, if you, even if you guys are... Uh, sports fans or not, the Sporting Life podcast is really cool. It's like behind-the-scenes stories of athletes and kids. And I'm listening to these podcasts on this billboard sometimes, like almost crying because of these stories of cancer in it. And <laughs> but one of the other ones that it recommended for me was there's this whole political section of podcasts, right? And I'm always really skeptical, like. You know, you've got Fox News way over here on the right and CNN over the left, and you're like, no one to get caught. And I found this one that I really liked. It was just these kind of common people talking about both sides, pretty neutral, pretty down the middle, and just breaking it down. And so I've been listening to this a little bit uh, as well, and I really liked it. And so as I'm painting on this billboard and I'm listening to these podcasts, I knew that today was my day, right? I was assigned to... to today to speak to you guys, trying to kind of come up with a theme and asking God for help and guidance. And all of a sudden, the idea just kind of slapped me across the face, right? And believe it or not, we're not going to do an archery one today. <laughs> I didn't come from the archery podcast. It didn't even come from Francis Chan. I was listening to this political podcast, and it just 
kind of hammered into my head. Now, I want to say right up front, I know all of our mothers have taught us, when you get in public, you don't talk religion, you don't talk politics, right? Um, I'm going to try my best to tread down the middle. I'm not trying to offend of you, but we're going we're gonna to take a chance at it here. Um, I, got a, I got a lot going on in here. I'm going to try to get you out of here, but I'll be honest, we've got a lot to go through today. As we go through this, I just want to say up front, I'm not... Some of my frustrations with the political process are going to come through today. I'm not pointing at you guys individually. I think you guys are probably the exception to the rule, quite honestly. Um, but I am very frustrated with how our nation is doing this right now, and I just don't want that to come across wrong to all of you. Um, so I'm not like saying you. Just please bear with me as we go through here. Okay. Vicky and I, my wife and I, we... I wouldn't say we're like the pillar of political knowledge, you know, we're not like super into super delegates and delegates and all, but we have a pretty good understanding of what's going on. We try to stay up to date. We read some articles. For those of you that maybe aren't as keyed in to this political process with our presidential election year, let me see if I can break it down for you, right? I'm going to put it this way. Think about it like this. Let's say there's two families, okay? Over here on this side, We'll call this family R, and we'll call this family D. Okay, just, just random letters. We're, we're not doing particle poli- partisan politics, right? But we've got family D, and we've got family R. Right? Family R right now is a pretty big family. Everyone's jumping on the bandwagon. Over here, we've got like a family of two, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> just, just random letters, D and R. Um, the interesting thing about these families is they share, for the most part, within their families, very similar values, very similar beliefs, similar morals. Very often they come from very similar socioeconomic classes, right? It's kind of like our families, right? You probably hold very similar values as your siblings, as your parents. There's a very good chance your socioeconomic class is very similar to your siblings, to your parents. So in that respect, we've got these two families, right? But these two families maybe like yours, can be very dysfunctional too, right? And that seems to be worse this time of year because through this primary, through the caucus, it's like all the rules don't apply, right? The gloves are off. And so these families kind of have permission, like beat the snot out of each other, right? We're going to air all of our dirty laundry. Some of it might be true. But the dirtier, the better, and we're just going to beat each other up until one person's left standing, right? And that's kind of this primary process we're in. Then, when we have a winner, a D and an R on each side, we're going to all rally back together and be best friends again and put the target square on the other side's back. And that's kind of our political process, right? That's the world we live in. And we are in the beat up your siblings phase right now for sure. As I was listening to this podcast last week, and as the primary and the caucuses were moving into the South, into South Carolina, they started talking more and more about the evangelical vote. The Christians are going to vote this way, they're going to vote for this person. And it kind of started me thinking, what is our role as Christians in this whole presidential political process? And we're supposed to live in a free country uh, founded on, on religious freedom, Right. As Christians, what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to act through this process? And that really 
kind of set the tone for what I wanted to talk about today. The fact of the matter is, we live in one of the most blessed countries in the world. If you sit in this room right now, I can guarantee you that you are more blessed than like 80% of the world's population just by the sheer fact that you are here today. And yet, our leaders seem to be acting like children, and it's frustrating, right? Um, The very first verse that kind of popped into my mind while I was thinking about this was in Romans 13. Um, And I think this is probably one of the more common verses we talk about when we talk about our leaders and kings and presidents and stuff. I'm sure many of you have heard this one before. Uh, Romans 13, starting at verse 1, says... Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except for God. God is the ultimate authority, right? He's the king of kings. He's the president of presidents. God is at the top. There is no authority except for God, or from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. We hear this one a lot. And I think there's a lot of truth there. God can absolutely put whoever he wants in charge of our country, in charge of our, our world, right? It's, it's God's ultimate decision. But I think, as the more I thought about this, the key word in that phrase is can. God can appoint whoever he wants. And it's not here. This is in my thing. But God can appoint our leader. And I, then I started to think about the world we live in and why in the world would God help us choose a leader when we're telling him we don't want him in our schools, we don't want him in our government, we're tearing down the things that we have built to worship him because it offends him, we're legalizing sin. Why in the world would God spend his time here and pick a leader for us? And it started to scare me. I'll be honest, the more I think about these things. I'm not trying to be a downer. It just kind of feels like the climate we're living in right now, right? And the more I kind of started stewing on this, the more I really started thinking about for Samuel. And Samuel, um, a handful of years, my wife and I went through a really, really good, deep, maybe one of the deepest Bible studies I've ever done through First and Second Samuel. And it took us like, three years to dig through them. I mean, we really got in there. It was was awesome. Um, So some of these things kind of started coming back to me. And I'll be honest, I had to freshen up a little bit because it had been a while since I'd been in 1 Samuel. Um, But I'm telling you, the similarities between the world that we're in right now and 1 Samuel is kind of scary. I'm telling you. And if you guys don't know the story of 1 Samuel... I want to, I'm going to work through chapter 8 with you real quick, if I can get there. Um, kind of the background of this, uh, right there. Um, we're kind of coming out of the judges' era, right? We're in Israel, and the judges, it was kind of, it's kind of a hard role to define. They weren't really like a king or a president. They didn't necessarily set up governments, but they were, in essence, kind of a leader. Um, And when you had major problems, major questions, the judges were the ones that kind of made these decisions. And it was kind of a... I'm I'm still having a hard time getting a grasp of exactly what this judge 
setup looked like. But we're at, we're at the tail end of that. And Israel has kind of gone through a string of really bad judges. Um, the whole book of Judges, Israel's just turning their back on God and things are kind of going in the toilet. And then this guy Samuel pops up and he's like a breath of fresh air, right? And we're having some revival and stuff. And that's kind of where we're going to pick it up in chapter 8. I'm going to go, we're going to work through this entire chapter. I'm going to try to go fast. But as we do, just, just think about the similarities of what's going on here and our current world, our current political system, because it's, it's kind of scary. I didn't, I didn't ask the tech people to put this up because we're going to go through the whole chapter and I just didn't want to like overwhelm you. If you want to follow along, there's a Bible in a chair in front of you. If not, you can just kind of close your eyes and listen if you want. So it starts out like this. It says, when Samuel became old, he's, he's getting to the end of his judgeship, right? He's, he's aging. He made his sons judges over Israel. So he's kind of handing down the family business. He's given his sons the judge authority. The name of the firstborn son was Joel, and the name of his second, Abishah, Abishah. I'm terrible, Old Testament names. Um, so there's two sons. They were judges in Beersheba. Yet his sons did not walk in his ways. Now, this next part is really interesting as it pertains to our current government. And his sons did not walk in his ways, but turned aside, for, turned aside after gain. They took bribes and perverted justice. Is there any bribing going on in D.C. right now? <laughs> Think about these people that are running these campaigns. They're not doing it just because they want to, right? If their candidate wins, they expect some payback. They expect a job or they expect a government contract. Um, if you look back at the bailout bill a few years ago, this is one of my favorite examples. Part of the bailout bill attached to it was like a half-million-dollar tax credit for wooden arrow makers, Part, part of the bailout bill. A senator owed someone a favor. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, look at Google it. It's there. Um, and this stuff is going on all the time. Um, so they took bribes and perverted justice. Then all of, the Idri- Is- uh, all of the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. Probably a pretty good idea, right? Hey, our leaders aren't Christian guys. They're taking bribes. Let's get all the elders, all the religious leaders together, and let's figure this thing out. This part's probably a pretty good idea. But what happens next, maybe not so much. And they said to him, Behold, you are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. Really? So you want another person to judge you. You're, you're asking For another person to come judge you. Not God, but another person. Think about what you're saying, right? This is where things kind of turn shady. And Samuel's on to it, right? But the thing displeased Samuel when when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said to Samuel, Obey the voice of the people and all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. Under this judgeship program, their king was God. And they're saying, God, thanks, but we're going to try something else for a while. Right? See any similarities? Uh, It kind of feels a little bit like maybe what we're doing here, right? God, thanks for blessing this great nation. We are so blessed to be here, but I think we've got it. 
you know, we're going to... Okay. Where are we at? According to all the deeds that they have done, this is God speaking to Samuel, according to all the deeds that they have done from the day I brought them out of Egypt, even to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are also doing to you. Now then, obey their voice, only you shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king who shall reign over them. God says, finally kind of says, all right. You know, I I put it this way, like when a mom tells a kid, don't do that, you're going to get hurt, it's not going to be fun, don't do that, and the kid does it anyways. That's kind of what's going on here, right? And finally God's like, all right, go ahead and try it, see how it works out. So Samuel told all the told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking for a king from him. He said, these will be the ways of the king who will reign over you. Samuel's telling them, if you really do get this king you're asking for, don't come back to me when this stuff happens, because this is what it's really going to be like. He's telling them, he will take your sons and appoint them to his chariots and to be his horsemen and to run before his chariots. And he will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties and some to plow his ground to, and to reap his harvest and to make his implements of war and the equipment of his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive orchards and give them to his servants. He will take a tenth of your grain and of your vineyards and give it to his officers and to his servants. He will take your male servants and female servants and the best of the best of your young men and your donkeys and put them to his work. He will take the tenth of your flocks and you shall be his slaves. Now I'm not I'm not saying we're slaves. Please don't don't take me the wrong way. But there's some taxation going on in this country and corruption. I mean that's that we're not going to dive into that, but we know that every penny that's spent in D.C., which is our tax dollars, isn't always being spent the best, right? Um, there's, there's some similarities here that I'm sorry is scary. And in that day you will cry out because your king, whom you have chosen for yourselves, but the Lord will not answer you in that day. When the people finally realize what they've done and they say, "God, we messed up," Samuel saying, "He ain't going to answer you back." That, that verse right there should shake you to your core. Goes on. But the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, No, but there shall be a king over us, that we also may be like all the nations, and that our kings may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And when Samuel had heard all the words of the people, He repeated them in the ears of the Lord, and the Lord said to Samuel, Obey their voice and make them a king. Samuel then said to the men of Israel, Go every man to his city. Basically, Samuel said, I've heard enough. Go away from me for a little while, right? Go back home. Here's my question as we read through this. If God gave Israel their king... Why would he not do the same here today? Just a question. Um, like I said, in a country where we have told him we don't want him in schools and we don't want him in governments, why would he give us his king? When I get to this point in my thought process through the week, right, I'm like painting like crazy fast. I'm all worked up. And, and then 
I kind of remembered 1 Timothy, and I calmed down a little bit. Um, 1 Timothy's goes something like this. Let's see if I can... I should have marked these, but I didn't. It's all right. 1 Timothy, right at the beginning of chapter 2, Paul says this. First of all, then I urge you that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. God's saying, the way I interpret this anyways, God's saying, I'll appoint you a godly king. If you just ask me, pray for it. Say, hey God, we need your help. That's all he wants, I think, is to be asked. If that's all it takes, if all we have to do is ask God and pray to him and say, hey, we want your help, it seems pretty easy, right? We can do that. But maybe, maybe in the midst of all of us, it would behoove us to remember just a little bit of our high school history class, too. And I was not a star student in history, but I remember some basic concepts. Bringing it back to today, all of these promises that these candidates are making, whether they're scary or outlandish or however you view them, keep in mind that our government is set up in a way that we have checks and balances, right? The president themselves cannot really do anything. It has to go through the Senate. It has to go through the Congress. It has to go through the House. So we get so worked up about this stuff and the things that they're saying, they can't do it all on their own, right? And I'm going to... I want you to really, really ask yourself and think about this. No matter... I have in my notes. No matter how much you're filling the burn or, or following the Trump era... How much of that can really, truly affect our everyday life? Think back a little bit. Think, I mean, most of us, most of you are at least my age or older. You've been through several presidents. Like, hate, love, whatever. How much has each one of those presidents truly affected your day when you wake up every morning? Maybe a little bit. You're still getting fed. You still live in a house with a roof. You still have a car. I mean, really, really in the grand scheme of things. How much has your life been affected? I'm not saying it's not important. Please don't misunderstand me. It would be an incredible disservice to our country and those people that have fought for our country not to participate. But I'm just saying, don't let it get you so worked up, right? Um, Somewhere, let's keep in perspective, somewhere right now, right this minute, right this second in this world, There are children dying from curable diseases. Curable to simple stuff. And all we have to do is walk down the street and get a shot. Right? I don't want to... I'm going to try to pick some of these because I don't want to hurt young ears. But 
Just think about some of the things that are going on in the world right now that we don't have to face simply because we're sitting in this room. You need a drink of water? Walk in that room and turn on the tap. Oh, but it tastes like city water. It has chlorine in it. Give me a break, right? Over half the world doesn't have access to clean water. And all you got to do is walk in that door and turn a knob. I just, I'm so frustrated with this me generation that we have created in this world. And I know that some of you may be sitting there and saying, it's easy for you to say, you have it pretty good. And you know what? I do. My family has been incredibly blessed. We've worked hard. We have a great business. We have a great family. I'm not denying that. But I am saying in the scope of the world... We have Medicare, we have food stamps, we have shelters, we have churches. We can stand in this room and praise God and not worry about militants walking in the door and taking us away. We are so, so, so blessed in this country. I just don't think the vast majority of our people truly understand what we really have. Don't forget... The Bible tells us that God knew you before you were even in your mother's womb. He knew your spirit. He knew you, and he could have put you anywhere. You could have had parents in China or Tibet or Egypt or Australia, but he put you here. That simple fact should be enough to fall on your knees and say, Thank you, Jesus. Why did I deserve this? But that's not how we're acting. Here's one more little nugget to chew on. And then we'll we'll sing. Um, we ask for, and in all practicality, we need someone to run our government. Just the way it's set up, we have to have someone assume that role, right? It doesn't work. If we don't have a president, the whole thing kind of falls on its face. When someone steps up, regardless of whether you like them or not, when they say, okay... I'm willing to do that. I am willing to step foot in the White House. They are literally giving up their entire life. Their entire life. Not just the four or eight years they're in office. The rest of their life, they will be followed around by Secret Service and cameras. And everything they say and do is going to be in the newspaper. It's going to be in headlines. And the people that are willing to make this sacrifice, how do we treat them? draw pictures and cartoons on them and slam them on Facebook and call them liars and cheaters. And why in the world would anybody do that? I'm not saying we have to love all of our candidates, but show a little respect. These people are offering to give up their life for us. I'll get get off my high horse. And again... I want to emphasize, I really think the people in this room are the exception to the rule. Um, most of what I'm talking about is kind of a national, national trend as I, as I see it. But then that begs the question, what are we to do in that world as Christians, as the exception to the rule? How are we supposed to act? How are we supposed to respond? I would argue it's pretty doggone simple. We read about it in 1 Timothy, but let's, 1 Thessalonians gives us a pretty good idea too, kind of says the same thing in a different way. 
First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5, just a couple verses, starting at verse 16. We've been here before. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. What can we do to show the world how we're supposed to act? Give thanks to God. It's that simple. Pray. Maybe we need to pray and ask God, please don't forget about us. We know we live in a broken world, but we need you now more than ever. Please help us pick a president. Not my candidate, but yours. I really think it's that simple. I will bring in one little piece of Francis Chan Pearl of Wisdom I got while I was working on the billboard. He said, and we've heard this before, but just the way he said it really struck me. Everything in this world is temporary. All of it's going to be gone really, really soon. When you look at all of eternity compared to your life, everything, your cars, your money, your houses, your health care, your whatever going to be gone like that and we spend so much time obsessing over it we've missed the big picture that this is your life and we have all of this over here yet to come why are we getting so in such a tizzy over this i'm just going to write i'm just going to read what i wrote here real fast and then We'll say a quick prayer and let the team come up and sing for us, and I'll, I'll close this. But I, wrote, I would suggest we do not pray for a specific candidate to win or lose. I suggest that we pray for guidance, for God not to leave our country as we probably deserve, but invite him in. Ask him to use us each individually to be an example to our peers of what a godly nation can be. And just maybe, just maybe... He'll give us his king and not ours. That's what I got. I'll get off my tangent now. (laughs) Um, I'm going to pray and we'll sing. Dear Lord, we are so, so blessed to live in this country that you have, have placed us in. Like we talked about, you could have put us anywhere, Lord, and he chose to put us here. Why? Uh, I don't know. We don't, we don't deserve the blessings that you've given us, and you continue to give them to us anyways. Thank you, Lord. Please, please, please keep your hand on our country as we move through this process each and every year, Lord. We truly, truly want your will, not ours. Please, please don't leave us. We want your president, not ours. In your son's name we pray.